0: Hey, my name is Ponce, and I'm a producer on The Big Listen. Thanks for listening. Did you know more than 40 million Americans speak Spanish, and millions more are learning? For all of you, I'd like to recommend NPR's Radio Ambulante. It's the podcast to hear incredible stories from all over Latin America and across the U.S. Hosted by novelist Daniel Alarcon, Radio Ambulante covers the region like no one else, reporting and storytelling in español. Radio Ambulante is on NPR One or wherever you listen to
1: podcasts. Author Kathleen Barber had never listened to a podcast until a couple of years ago. I, like, didn't get it. People kept, right. like, trying to get me to listen to various podcasts. And I was like, but, like, when when will I listen to a podcast? Like, what, what will I be doing? Um, and it, just, it, it didn't make any sense to me at all. But then her brother introduced her to Serial. Then I I got it. Then I understood that, like, you can listen to a podcast anytime. So so then I was a convert to the medium. But not only was Barbara a podcast convert, she also became totally obsessed, specifically with Serial. Once I started, I just got completely hooked. Mm -hmm. I was, like, I listened to all of the episodes and read all of the supporting materials that were on the website. I... Looked up everything I could.
2: It makes sense the barber, a bankruptcy lawyer, would be into the legal
1: case. But then her interest got a bit out of hand. I was like following the hashtags on Twitter and I was like hanging out on the subreddits, which I had never hung out on Reddit before. And there I was in the subreddits all the time. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, my my brother had introduced me to it, and I was, like, calling him all the time, like, when he was trying to work and be like, let's talk about it.
2: Then Barber started searching for photos of the people involved in the serial story. Folks like murder victim Heyman Lee and Adnan Sayed, the man convicted of killing her. And the act of searching made Barber feel kind of gross. This
1: feels really icky. I think I might have, like, <laughs> right. crossed a line here. right.
2: I'm Lauren Ober, and this right here is The Big Listen from WAMU and NPR. Each week on The Big Listen, we invite you into some great conversations happening in the world of audio. And maybe, just maybe, we help you find some new things to listen to. Now, Kathleen Barber's squeakiness about her serial deep dive eventually led to the idea behind her debut novel, Are You Sleeping?
1: That kind of made me start thinking about, like... The people that were involved and particularly like Hayman Lee's family mm-hmm. and how they must all be reacting to to this kind of like renewed interest in this case. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of like my jumping off point that I wanted to kind of like explore how, the, how that might feel. But unlike
2: Serial, Barber's book is a work of fiction.
1: Are You Sleeping is a suspense novel that is about a woman who um, 13 years ago, her father was murdered, which was really traumatic and kind of set off this chain reaction of trauma for her family. So she spent a lot of time trying to distance herself from her past. But all that distance collapses when the host of a serial-style podcast rakes up the past. This podcast comes out, and it's this, it's this huge hit, and it's reinvestigating her father's murder. And so the book then is kind of about how that kind of like impacts her and her family and kind of makes them question things that they thought that they knew.
2: And spoiler alert, we can't say any more or we'll totally spoil the book. We'll check in with author Kathleen Barber in a bit to chat about how the popularity of true crime podcasts can impact the families of victims. But now we're going to head west to the home of Ricoaroni, Alcatraz, and Uber. San Francisco. That's where our pals Leela Day and Hannah Babad live. They're the hosts of the podcast The Stoop, a dialogue about the diaspora. Specifically, it's a show that's all about having tough conversations about what's happening within this country's black community. For example, the issue of sounding white.
3: Okay, so for me, growing up, there were plenty of jokes about the way I talk. Listen to how you talk like a white girl. Who do you think he is?
4: You sound white when you're on the phone.
3: But I couldn't help the way I sounded. It's like my default voice. You know, you have that default voice. And it's just how I speak. Not all the time, but I grew up in Las Vegas. And there were two types of black kids in school. And there were those who hung out with other black kids and those who bounced back between black and white friends. And I was in the second group. The pair has also tackled questions
2: of Afrocentrism and affection in the black community. Basically, they sit on the metaphorical front stoop and talk stuff out. Leela Day and Hana Baba, co hosts of The Stoop, welcome to The Big Listen. Hi. Hey. Okay, but I actually should say, I should welcome myself because I we are in your studio in San Francisco right now. Yes, welcome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I didn't want to prompt you to welcome me, but <laughs> that seems tacky. But uh... <laughs> no, but you know, because I originally, because I, you know, we, we came out here to talk to a few folks, and originally I, I said to you guys, um, can we, Maybe we could do it on a stoop uh, Maybe we could do the interview on a stoop And both of you were like Oh no, that's clever, Lauren But no, that's not going to work That's actually going to be garbage mm, So right. here we are in a studio Thank you for setting me straight Absolutely <laughs> <laughs> disabusing me of my very clever notion
3: that that would be fun I mean it sounds like a great idea we thought in, it sounded theory, like a good
5: idea we tried it
3: before yeah we we have. Done it. yeah and um, and you know we went on a stoop and we interviewed someone we were like this is gonna be amazing it's gonna be organic and real and then all of a sudden you know a plane goes by and a guy with the grocery cart and some cars beeping and so yeah <laughs> didn't work um so why is the show called the stoop what is the stoop yeah, well, so we thought of the stoop because we thought it's basically like a place where conversations happen, like real conversations happen. Because it's it's a gathering point. It's a place where people sit and talk
2: and sort of, you know, uh, figuratively let their hair down or what?
1: I think
5: that's what it is, uh, that a lot of people have these, the, the frankest, the best, the most real conversations in their homes. And whether it's the front stoop, the back stoop, if it's your kitchen table, if it's your hair salon when you're in that chair and just talking to your stylist, it's just the real conversation that happens with, with no filter.
2: Did either or both of you grow up in an environment where that you did have that physical space to have those frank
3: conversations? I did. I mean, I grew up or my family's from the South originally. So South Carolina had those big balconies and people would sit outside. And I remember visiting. And that was just where everything came out. All these conversations came out. I just, I I just loved it. But in my home, it was like the kitchen. The kitchen was the stoop. You know, mom had the hot comb, was pressing your hair. Those were—that's the time when it would happen, right? <laughs> and you'd have—you'd be sitting there in that hot comb chair, and mom would be pressing the hair, and your sisters and brothers and everyone would come out, and they just start talking about stuff. Yeah. So it was—it was a kitchen, like yeah. The food. I
5: mean, I—I I, it's kind of the kitchen for me. Uh, in a, in Sudanese culture, and back in Sudan when I lived there, we have like communal eating in one big tray. Mm-hmm. So it's one gigantic tray, and then plates. The plates are on it. Yep. Everybody's around that tray eating together from the same mm-hmm. plates. Right. If if you can imagine that. Yeah. So that's where the conversations always happen, not right. just how are you doing today, what happened at school, but everything, you know, like all the gossip, all the family gossip, all the neighborhood gossip, all the who married who, and can you believe she, you know, <laughs> refused him. All of that <laughs> stuff happened around food, which is which is interesting. That's why for our video that we make, uh, we have like a promotional video for the stoop, and like Lilo was like, we have to have snacks. Yeah. On that stoop. Yes. Folks sitting on the stoop, you bring the chips, you bring the nuts. You, we got pizza. Nuts? Nuts.
3: Come on. Who's eating nuts as a snack? I know. Yeah. That's not fun. I didn't bring the nuts.
5: I brought the nuts. <laughs> I, I brought, yeah,
3: Heck, I brought like Yeah, pure. I brought nuts.
5: I brought watermelon seeds so you can k- crack ch- ch- and throw it away. That's converse That I causes conversation. Those. I never had those. Okay. Yeah. I did.
3: Okay. Not no, enough.
2: I mean, all, all snacks. I welcome all snacks. Thank um, you. I mean, I'm sorry there aren't any here right now. Uh, whose fault is that? Mm. <laughs> I'm going to say it's mine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so what are the types of um, questions that you're trying to unpack in, um, in
3: the stoop? So some of the things that um, initially got us wanting to do this project was how to have conversations that we would have in private just like me and Hannah worked together and we used to work at I used to work at KLW um, and Hannah's a host of the the news magazine there we'd have these conversations and we'd just be saying did you read this did you see that did you see those comments and you know and we were like someone needs to make something about this and mm-hmm. we're like, well, why not us? Why not do a podcast? Because you know, no one's doing a podcast. Right stuff
5: we talked about all <laughs> yeah. the time. You know, of course, hair. Yeah, all uh-huh. the time. Right, uh, but also things like you know, like Lila would wear these head wraps. Beautiful head wraps. They were really
3: pretty sometimes, mm-hmm. I still wear them. Mm-hmm.
5: with you know, print that was uh, like African, you know, print, and then and they're gorgeous. But you know, I was kind of always wondering about that, you mm-hmm. know, as as a Black American, how. How someone from Nigeria or Kenya would feel about that. So we, we would talk about well, you, that. Well, you're, you're Sudanese. Or from Sudan. I mean, it's not like the wraps that she was wearing are right. not from Sudan. Sure. But that got us to thinking about can appropriation happen if it's a black American wearing something from the continent? So, black people have been wearing African-inspired clothing for a while now. Is it really new? Uh Uh-uh. It's nothing new. I mean, it's not new for you at
3: all because you're African.
5: Yes, I am. I am Sudanese. Grew up surrounded by folks wearing our traditional clothing, our traditional jewelry.
3: And for those of us who didn't grow up around all that, it's made a comeback in a place where it all seems to come together. Afropunk.
5: And for the folks in Radioland, can you describe what you're wearing? The neckwear is, I don't even know what you call this, but it's a multicolored kind of Afrocentric necklace. Right. So some of the stuff is going to be things we have both encountered. Some of the stuff is going to be black immigrant community issues. Mm -hmm. Some of it is going to be black American issues. Some of it is going to be about some of the tensions between us. So it's all of that. Right, Mm -hmm. right. I feel like you all
2: use the term "stoop" as a verb um, on your uh, on your show. You're gonna you're gonna stoop it out. You're gonna we're gonna stoop now, and we're stooping. Can we do that together? Can we just like Let's sit it in out. our yeah? Can we do that? Yeah. What do
5: you want to stoop out? Well,
2: I want to just check in with you guys because I know you said you know because you did this episode where you're like we need to pause, we need to take a break, we need to sort check in with ourselves.
5: This is the stoop. I'm Hannah. I'm Leela. Today, we had an episode planned for you, but with everything that's going on in the country, we thought maybe it's not time for it right now. We've changed our minds. We realized, like, we needed to step back. We
3: needed to really just regroup and think about just taking a pause because, you know, on the stoop, we're talking about really difficult things and we needed to give ourselves and our audience Just a little bit more space.
2: How are you all doing as Black women living in America in 2017? Just
3: how are things? How are you doing? Mm. I've been checking in every day with myself, Mm -hmm. you know, just to feel like, what you know, how am I feeling about things today? Um, I think for us, that pause episode that we did, which was sort of to take a break from an episode that we had planned, which was "You Call Me African What," um, about being called "African Booty Scratcher" uh, by other black kids in school. Like, and we, I don't
2: mean to laugh; it's just like it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's a ridiculous I mean, term, and I never heard it.
3: Well, before. we we laughed as kids, and that was mm-hmm. the thing. Like, we talked about this, hanan is that um, you know all the black kids would laugh and what What's that mean? Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really tried to break it down and try to understand where it came from. But I feel like we woke up that morning and both of us like texting for like at six in the morning. It was supposed to drop the next day. It was supposed to drop the next day. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was like we, we can't drop this right now, you know. No. And Hana's saying, I know, I thought this no. exact same thing. Okay, plan B. And we are not the type of we are, it's me and Hannah. That's it. That's right. all <laughs> so we don't have like a team to be like, okay, let's push episode seventeen. Right, you know, right. we don't I'm gonna have a, a next episode then. So um so we had to hustle to really figure that out out and um and for me it was just for me it's it was it was such a relief because every time you know you go on Twitter or whatever it was just like in your face but one thing I feel about what is in your face like all of the um
5: the vitriol I I feel like when we postponed that show it was less about us and more kind of about can our audience take it Right. In the middle of all of this mayhem, another thing that may be thought of as negative or divisive. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Before I let you go, are there really pressing conversations that you think that we all should be engaging in more in this country? Or like, what are we not getting?
5: That we need to be having conversations. Mm -hmm. But if you don't talk. If you don't know your neighbor, if you don't know a little bit about them, cross the street, knock the door, you know, just like the old fashioned talk to people.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, it's old school, actually, being face to face and having face-to-face. conversations, mm-hmm. talking. I mean, it's just, it's, it's such an instant. Um, you know, back and forth, like quip that you can have, like in social media, talking about these things. And I just think Behind it's something is- Behind a
5: screen. it's and, and, and something is lost, right? That's why we want to have some live stoops, a lot of them, yeah, mm. just go out to neighborhoods, go out to places, yeah. and have these conversations like face to face, and then meet each other afterwards. Right. Talk. Yeah. Right,
3: share some nuts. Some nuts or watermelon seeds. Thank studies. you. <laughs> or pizza. Leela
2: Day and Hana Baba, co-host The Stoop. To find out more about their show, check out BigListen.org. At the top of the show, we were talking with debut novelist Kathleen Barber about her new book, Are You Sleeping? One of the book's main characters is a true crime podcaster named Poppy Parnell. And for any aspiring podcast hosts of the true crime variety, she is not the person after whom you want to model yourself. Just a tip.
1: A lot of the other characters perceive Poppy as a villain um, because when they see her, they see somebody that is taking this horrible, tragic thing that's happened to them and trying to turn it into a commodity and sell it for her own benefit. Poppy doesn't see herself like that. Poppy sees herself as kind of like searching for the truth and bringing the truth to light no matter what. She's Mm -hmm. kind of a like the ends justify the means kind of person.
2: Mm. Barber's fictional host shows up at funerals and
1: front doors asking for quotes.
2: She antagonizes victims and she takes one family's private pain and turns it into public entertainment. For Barber, the book was kind of a way to resolve her feelings
1: around her own interest in true crime. I had some complicated feelings about my own interest in serial. Mm-hmm. For the victim's family to like not only be having this horrible thing from their past, kind of dredged up and thrown in their face than then having to listen to the person that they probably believe killed their daughter, saying to a fairly sympathetic audience, hey, no, I didn't do it. It must have been somebody else. And that was basically the impetus for writing
2: the book. Here's a passage from Are You Sleeping? In it, the main character, Josie, is describing the feeling of being invaded when her family's tragedy is recast for public
1: consumption. On my walk home, my body vibrated with lack of sleep and itchy panic. I kept my head down, certain that everyone I passed had been listening to Poppy's drivel, and now knew everything about my painful past. Years ago, I had legally changed my name, officially leaving Josephine Berman behind. But that was a mere technicality that would provide little comfort once podcast fans began running image searches. Now that their interest had been piqued by my father's face on the Reconsidered website, How long would it be until they sought out images of all of us? What if they had started already? Had I been naive to convince myself that a podcast was nothing more than modern radio, just words floating through the air? It existed on the internet, alongside Google Images, just waiting for groups of dedicated web sleuths.
2: We are just a bunch of words floating through the air. It's true. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break now, but when we come back, we'll hear from actor Abby Jacobson about her
0: high school academic prowess. You know, I was just sort of like a B average student. I sucked at math and science, you know, excelled in history and English, but I took the SATs like once, could not care. (laughs) Uh, Because I knew I was, I knew I wanted to go to art school and I knew I wanted to do something in that world. But
2: first we're going to chat with YouTube provocateur Dylan Marin about dealing with online haters.
4: I'm deeply anti-Islamophobia and I have made many videos expressing that. And you get people who really disagree with you and want to tell you why they disagree with you and how wrong you are and how awful you are and and how you're a cancer to this world for sharing those kinds of opinions.
2: That's coming up in a bit, so stick around. This is NPR.
4: Hey there, I'm Joshua Johnson, the host of 1A. There are lots of places to debate today's issues, if you don't mind getting attacked for speaking your mind or for asking a simple question. 1A provides a safe, smart space for tough conversations and for insights on the week's news. Listen to 1A weekdays on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: Hi, this is
3: Diana
4: from Virginia. One of my favorite podcasts is As It Happens. Their news stories are full of puns. And if you listen to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, you can often be able to finish those strange questions that they ask. He has a full beard, he has long hair, and he can be seen standing outside the courthouse in Kitchener, Ontario. Also, most days he is wearing only a tight pair of underwear. Why? Well, his sign says it all. It reads, return my bong. We reach Jeffrey Shaver
3: in Kitchener. Mr. Shaver, who has your bong?
4: Uh, That would be right now in the possession of the Waterloo Regional Police Department. I've been listening to As It Happens for at least seven to eight years. That's it. Thanks. Bye-bye.
2: Hey, pals, welcome back to The Big Listen. I'm Lauren Ober, and if you're like Diana from Virginia and you're a dedicated longtime listener of a podcast, let us know all about it. Call up the pod line at 202-885-POD1 and give us your recommendation. We love to hear what you love. Speaking of love, our next guest has been working really hard at that. Dylan Marin is a video maker who gets a lot of hate online for his work. He got a lot of attention a few years ago for a video series called Every Single Word, where he cataloged all the lines read by actors of color in particular movies. Sixteen and a half, sir. I guess we're going to miss the hullabaloo after all. She's too scruffy for me. Those were the only lines delivered by the sole actor of color in the movie Moonrise Kingdom. So you can understand how Marin's button pushing might attract some internet venom. With his new podcast, Conversations with People Who Hate Me, Marin's trying to practice radical empathy by confronting the people who bully him online.
4: Today, I'm talking to Josh. And a little while ago, Josh sent me this message. You're a moron. You're the reason this country is dividing itself. All of your videos are merely opinion and an awful opinion, I must say. Just stop. Plus, being gay is a sin. So, I am going to call Josh right now.
2: Yikes. Dylan Marin, host of Conversations with People Who Hate Me, (laughs) welcome to The Big Listen. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so I just want to start by letting you know that this conversation that we're going to have right here is not with someone who hates you. So you can feel like this is a safe space.
4: Okay. Thank you so much for this safe space.
2: Like I may have anonymously trolled you online, but it's Good, anonymous just for, so you just don't to know. Prepare.
4: Yeah. <laughs> right? No, I I I love it and support it. I had to get into the headspace of people who write you nasty messages. Yeah, you got to, you know, <laughs> call me a Inexplicably, because I'm gay. So if my right, if I had a wife, I would encourage her to cheat on me. But you know, God you would bless. welcome
2: that. Exactly, I
4: would say, in fact, please. You right. know, like and don't I go out in the world. Yeah, <laughs> right.
2: yeah, right. So obviously, the um the the title of your podcast is very self explanatory. Mm-hmm. But why don't you give me a little bit of the backstory of why you wanted to go down this road?
4: Yeah. Um, So uh, it's funny. Uh, I feel like I am sitting literally in the same geographic place uh, when I started doing public work on the Internet because I made a video series called Every Single Word and I was interviewed for NPR two years ago, almost exactly. And Mm -hmm. I was sitting in this exact room talking about it. (laughs) And that was just the beginning of my experience of kind of doing public social justice slash entertainment activism Mm -hmm. work on the internet. So I've been making that kind of work for a while. And especially over the last year, Um, as my profile uh, or or my presence online was really growing and and I was getting a much bigger fan base for my video work, um, I I was getting also a significant number of of hate messages. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I want to be clear. uh, In in this podcast, I go about this pretty safely. Mm -hmm. Um, If someone has sent me a death threat or um is they are harassing me, I mm-hmm. I'm not gonna reach out to them to talk right. to them.
2: Wait, so I just wanna talk I mean, mm-hmm. most people yeah. don't get death threats. You know, right. like I don't get to go see what an accountant is <laughs> right. doing all day and critique his or her work. Right, right, right. right. But yeah. um but you have a public job and a public persona, mm-hmm. but so people are, are so mad at you that they're threatening you. Well, I deal with a lot
4: of social justice issues that, in my liberal bubble echo chamber, seem like no-brainers, right? right. Like Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm a supporter. I've, I've, you know, uh, I am firmly against police brutality. Um, I uh, am a big advocate for sharing diverse Muslim voices so that we kind of don't paint all of Islam with this you know, huge paintbrush and pretend it's a monolith. Mm -hmm. You know, 1.6 billion people aren't a monolith and it's just fueling Islamophobia. So I'm deeply anti-Islamophobia and I have made many videos expressing that. I've critiqued toxic masculinity pretty publicly and um, you get people who really disagree with you and want to tell you why they disagree with you and how wrong you are and how awful you are and and how you're a cancer to this world for sharing those kinds of opinions Um, and you know the messages I was getting really made me shut down sometimes Mm -hmm. it's it's it can be debilitating You wrote to me, you're a moron, you're the reason this country is dividing itself, all of your videos are merely opinion, and an awful opinion, I must say. Dylan Marin represents some of the worst aspects of liberalism. When the police aren't there, sensitive young men like you will be the first to go. Also, being gay is a chemicals thing in your body, but similar to addictions that people have, it's an addiction that you can control. Good thing nobody watches your but hey, you're probably getting ten bucks a video, so whatever. So I, I kind of want to clear up this thing that I've been being called on Twitter a lot for for doing this project. A lot of people are like, "Oh, you're braver than I am," and it's like, well, it's it, there's something other than bravery too. I mean, I'm I'm very proud to be doing this, but I also have the privilege of a platform mm-hmm. where. I can do this and, and there can be a purpose and I'm sharing it with people. But if I were a private citizen who was getting trolled online because I, like, jump on comment sections to express my opinion, mm-hmm. I don't know that I would be doing this. In fact, I can almost guarantee you I wouldn't. Right. Or even um, if you
2: were if you were a a high school student who was doing nothing online exactly. and who was getting bullied for absolutely nothing and, and oh, you yeah. are not in a position, uh, no. if that's happening to you, to call no. it out because it has the potential to jeopardize
4: your of course, safety of course and and so this podcast is not advocating for people to take on this project right. of their own you know this is just you know what i see these hateful messages in my inbox as an opportunity you know the internet is 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 this beautiful ever evolving beast that makes us feel like we we belong mm-hmm. i want to be um, super, super super clear I love the internet mm-hmm. I I don't want to fall into the trap of being like oh the internet is an awful place we need real interactions smartphones are ruining the world millennials are the curse of this universe um, like I, I don't believe any of that I think the structure of the internet doesn't necessarily allow for nuanced conversation mm-hmm. but nuanced conversation is, is exactly what we need right now mm-hmm. right it's like it's 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 people kind of like putting their like swords down i.e. keyboards and being like okay well why do you feel that way and when you ask someone why they feel a certain way they feel listened to mm-hmm. and they immediately disarm so chris okay it feels like we there's a lot that we like so strongly disagree about right how right, no. how do you think someone like you and someone like me can keep having productive conversations well, I, I think we're having a, good, a decent conversation now. Yeah. Um, by, by being civil, by not saying things like I said to you when I, when I texted you. Uh, let me go back <laughs> to the because, notes. Because those are non starters. And also by not saying, oh, you feel this way because you're racist.
1: And because, because that kind of talk that, that's used shuts down conversation, okay? Once you call someone a racist without really knowing them,
4: I'm not saying you did. I'm just saying that when people do that, that's got to stop because then, then there's no conversation. We have to be civil with each other, like you and I are being today.
2: What is your approach when you go into this? What 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 headspace do you have to get into to talk to people who have written you, you know, messages like uh, being gay is a sin? Also, like you're the dumbest person ever, you know? Yeah.
4: Well. I always talk to them beforehand. Sometimes they want a phone call, you know, just to hear my voice, to kind of, like, hear it out, suss out the situation, make sure I'm not, like, going to basically, you know, troll them by mm-hmm. exposing mm-hmm. them or or taking their interview and editing it. And that was actually very, very challenging before we had any episodes out mm-hmm. because they didn't have the proof. And, and in fact, many people I talked to or or tried to get on the show some were very interested at first and then they pulled out when they were like you know what I actually think that this is a setup no thank you and sometimes they would block me and right. that was so frustrating because I was like wait no like I didn't even have the opportunity to like send you an episode right. <laughs> you know right. to be like no this is not not that at all but um, what headspace do I go into um You know, like, the way I refer to it is radical empathy. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, this is a human. They have a story. Let's hear their story. And I think once you hear their story, that is how we can, like, start to understand each other. Common ground is sometimes possible. There are some times when you're like, we do have this in common, and that's what matters. But also, it's like, can we peacefully disagree? right.
2: What do you feel you're getting out of this?
4: Um, okay, this is going to be super cheesy, but you ready? Love it. Love um, it. Schmaltzy, I'm... go. <laughs> Schmaltz, let's go. Um, I'm, I feel like I'm getting hope. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel very hopeful for the human race after every call. If we use the tools, the incredible technological tools that we have now for good and we use it to listen to each other and we use it to kind of find creative ways to communicate with each other about the most controversial issues, some some really cool things could happen for us as a species.
2: Dylan Maron is the host and creator of Conversations with People Who Hate Me from Night Vale Presents. To find out more about the show, check out biglisten.org. All right, it's time for another super speedy break. But when we return, we'll catch up with Broad City star Abby Jacobson about her podcast, A Piece of Work, about
0: some of the world's most confounding pieces of contemporary art. It is like up for grabs what the pieces are about and... You know, if I, who is someone who went to art school and took classes am still like, I don't know, I have so many questions, then I could only imagine what someone who didn't even go through all that must feel.
2: That's coming up next. So hang tight. This is NPR.
5: Hey, y'all. Sam Sanders here. Want to tell you about the only NPR show where you can hear about the latest White House drama and the return of TRL to MTV. The show is called It's Been a Minute. Every Friday, we catch up on the week of news and culture, everything. And every Tuesday, I sit down for some long interviews with authors, filmmakers, directors, and more. You can find It's Been a Minute on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Hi, my name is Jude Watson and I live in Seattle, but right now I'm hiking the Lycian Way, which is a long distance hiking trail on the Mediterranean in southwestern Turkey. One of my favorite podcasts to listen to, especially while I'm hiking, is called Sounds of the Trail. Sometimes the show is deep.
4: Last night was just another kind of sad night. I went fly fishing and, you know, got to camp pretty early and was just trying to enjoy myself. but. It just kind of that wave of being alone hit me, and I'm just kind of over it.
3: And sometimes it's hilarious, like when you hear hikers talk about measuring the success of their day by how solid their poop was. I have one, two pairs of socks, I have one pair of clothes, you know, and most of us really stink so bad. It truly has the full range of human experience.
2: Hey, pals, welcome back to The Big Listen. I'm Lauren Ober, and Jude from Seattle called us up from the Lycian Way in southern Turkey. No big deal. Well, if, like Jude, you're listening to a podcast on some sort of exotic trip, let us know about it. Call us up on the pod line. The number is 202-885-POD1. Actor Abby Jacobson's come a long way since her art school days at the Maryland Institute College of Art. Since then, she's created and starred in the hit TV show Broad City on Comedy Central, which just began its fourth season. Before Jacobson found her acting jobs, she was a visual artist. So it makes sense that Jacobson's foray into podcasting with the show, A Piece of Work, would be all about art. Specifically, some of the thornier pieces at the Museum of Modern Art in New York. Jacobson knows a little something about MoMA. Once in her early days in New York, she tried to get her handmade greeting cards into the museum
0: store. Like, secretly. So I'd go into the MoMA store, and there's kind of like this whole wall full of cards. And I go in there and I would slip a couple of my cards into their displays. With the hope that someone, some tourist, some art fan, some curator would come by and pick up my card and go to the cash register to try and buy it. And the cashier would then have to say, what is this? I don't recognize this artist. This isn't even in our inventory. Who is this person? They would turn the card over and then contact me.
2: Abby Jacobson, the very entrepreneurial host of A Piece of Work. Welcome to The Big Listen. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So when you went to MICA, Maryland Institute College of Art, which we know well here in the in the D.C. area. Very fine school right there. Yeah. I'm wondering, did you go in thinking, I am going to be a working artist when I get out or, you know, because I feel like a lot of kids, you, you were probably very lucky in that your parents, you know, gave you the thumbs up to to go to art school because that was what they did. But a lot of parents would probably poo-poo that like how are you ever going to make a living and did you think well I'm going to make a living being an artist or I'm going to use my creativity in some way or did you just think I just want to go and
0: make things yeah I mean I guess I was lucky in high school because my parents were creatives there wasn't this pressure I was never going to go to or even apply to some Ivy League school and my grades you know I was just sort of like I was like a B average student I took the SATs like once, could not care uh, <laughs> because I knew I was – I knew I wanted to go to art school yeah. and I knew I wanted to do something in that world. Right. But I, I definitely also didn't think I'm going to just go here and make stuff and then figure it out. I was like – or I guess I was going to figure it out, but maybe graphic design felt like the one in-demand job I knew about because my mm-hmm. dad did it. Right. So I was like, okay, I could do that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. – um. This was forty years ago, so. Yeah,
2: no, because you're you're what like sixty now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes, definitely. I, it's, I play much younger on television. <laughs> you got to give me your secret, like what cream do you use? You know, uh, it's
0: there's a lot of cream.
2: <laughs> so lot of many creams, lotions, and balms, and
0: potions. <laughs> sprays. Yeah. You are embalmed, basically. I am. I have somebody every morning. Do it
2: so now, um, so now you have this podcast, a piece of work which you guys made with MoMA, um the Museum of Modern Art in New York, and I wonder what you think it is about contemporary art, and I realize that's this massive umbrella term and lots of things fit in that but what are you what do you think that it is about it at, at the outset that's like, this is confusing. I don't get it,
0: yeah, so real quick before I even like answer your question, you know, I stupidly. I'm like a cutter with, like, comments. I stupidly, like, one day got into, like, what people think about the podcast. And one thing that I'm so interested in, or I'm not interested, but just that people were, you know, they're like, this is like elementary school for art. Wait, you were reading the comments? I don't even, or I was reading the, well, you know, I was reading the reviews oh of the
1: podcast. Boy.
0: And, you know, they're mostly all great, but this is just very me. I I find the one that isn't great, and that's the thing I think about most. (laughs) And maybe that's positive and maybe it's negative, but it's interesting because it's like, well, this is not a podcast for art historians or art critics or people that are really in the art world at all. Listen, if you are, you can still listen to it, and you, I think, will still find it enjoyable. But this is for people that that maybe don't go to museums a lot and don't know who Duchamp is or have never taken an art history course. Or if you have, and you've forgotten it because you
2: fell asleep during the slide presentation.
0: Exactly. Like, I think it's for, a no pun intended, a broad audience. And, um, <laughs> pun man, intended. Man, I say that sentence so much. But, you know, I specifically did not refresh myself at all in in art history or, or about any of the artists we were going to talk about because I really wanted to be... Like, I wanted to be on it with you. Yeah. Tell me if this has ever happened to you. You walk into a museum. It's a little bit crowded. There are people taking selfies next to famous art. And finally, you find yourself, like these people, in front of a painting, like a Jackson Pollock.
4: It feels to me like it's ordered chaos.
0: Normally, I'm usually pretty good at, like, just saying, okay, like, this is an idea and then extrapolating on it, but I'm not getting anything out of this. These paintings are all over the place in here. Squiggles, drips, splotches, splashes, maybe some cigarette butts stuck into it.
5: Is this something that you have to be, for lack of a better word, enlightened to understand?
0: What is this all about? Is it about Anything. And how do you figure out what you're supposed to think or feel about something that seems so random? I learned so much while making this podcast. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, which is answering your question, which is why sometimes uh, contemporary art can feel inaccessible, is the shift to abstraction. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I like can't speak to this in like dates or whatever, but sure. if you go to the Met... You're seeing, for the most part, uh, images that you can stand in a group of people and we can all agree what we're looking at. We're right. looking at a, a bowl of fruit. A group of, a bowl of fruit, or yeah. we're looking at a um, an, an ensemble of people in a scene. Right. You know, and it's like a classical painting mm-hmm. and we can all understand exactly what's going on. But when you go into MoMA, there's not a lot of that. Right. You know, it, there's a move to abstraction. So you can, sometimes you can look at, paintings and you're like I I see what this is and you can talk about it but a lot of this stuff is people that are exploring different mediums and yeah abstraction and just singular color and and all the things that we talk about in each episode and so it is like up for grabs what the pieces are about and you know if I who's someone who went to art school and took classes am still like I don't know right I have so many questions then I could only imagine what someone who didn't even go through all that must feel. And so it was sort of just, it doesn't have to be taken so seriously. From my art school days, I know that one of the starting places for modern art is the sculpture I'm standing in front of now. It's a bicycle wheel on top of a stool. It's by Marcel Duchamp. He made the first version in 1913, and he called it Bicycle Wheel.
5: So we're not supposed to spin it, are we?
0: It feels like it wants to be spun. Though. And my friend that I brought to look at it with me, Hannibal Burris. he's smart, he's funny, he's not afraid to get up close to the goods. Maybe too close.
3: But why can't I spin it?
0: Nobody's here. He used to spin it to like kind of think and that's how it became okay. a thing. Bicycle wheel was one of the first of a kind of art called ready-mades, art made with super common everyday objects you might buy at a store.
3: Yeah, that just looks like some high. Sh-t.
5: Yo, what if I put the wheel in a store? <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> exactly, like,
3: yeah, exactly,
0: yeah. And and so a lot of people get like angry about it because they're like, well, it's in this gallery with these masters.
5: Oh, it wouldn't make me angry, but it's just like, no. Yeah. Moving along.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was struggling the whole time with like, okay, when I go into a museum, do I just go in and do I like, do I just look at the art and let it affect me? Or do I go up to the placard and do I read the information about mm. the artist and then look at the art? Like, and I'm just like, it doesn't matter. Like, just go and, and like, it's, it's, and I really think, especially right now with like so much. F- Sorry, I don't know if I can curse on this, but no, I did. but we'll bleep it. Um, okay, just so much like we're, we're overwhelmed with. <laughs> you're gonna have to bleep so much, uh, but <laughs> museums and movies and concerts are a way that we can escape it. And the artwork may or may not be commenting on what's going on, mm-hmm. but it's just like you're giving yourself. I mean, it's a privilege to have a an hour to go into a, mu- a museum. I was so excited to be able to escape and yeah. learn about there's so much to learn. But also, if you don't want to go in and learn about it, just go and walk around and look at it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, sure. And it's it's going to be there. You can you can go back. I mean, if you're not a tourist, even if you go, you know, to the Louvre or, uh, y- you know, if you go to the Guggenheim or something like you don't have to you don't have to take all the things in at once. I have what may possibly be a garbage question and I don't care cuz that's the type of person I am, but um love it. If you were to have any artist do your portrait, the 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 official Abby Jacobson portrait, living or dead, do you have do you have somebody who you would love to sit for?
0: Yeah. Um Alice Neal. Mhm. Why? Um who is not alive. She is one of my favorite painters and her portraits. I mean, she I think that was like her main thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not like a that knowledgeable, but um I think she was like Harlem painter mm-hmm. and would paint like really well-known people and then like her neighbors. Yeah. Um and they I like that they really represent the person. Mhm. But also you see her hand in it. So it's you see the the paint strokes and it's not perfect. Um, I like that nobody's perfect on it. Yeah. Yeah. And then. Uh, yeah. She would be who I'd pick.
2: All right. Well, so if anyone is listening can make a a, um, a good replica of an Alice Neal, <laughs> of Abby Jacobson, you know. Yes. Please copy her work and <laughs>
0: and, and, please and put try you and in make it. it look exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Abby Jacobson is the host of A Piece of Work from WNYC Studios and MoMA. To find out more about the show, check out biglisten.org. Well, we've almost reached the end of this week's episode. Ah! No! (laughs) Before we let you go, it's time for... C-H-A-R-T-O-G-R-A-V-H-Y. Chartography is our 60-second mapping of the Apple podcast charts. we're not looking at number one or even number 100. We're looking at number 289. And if your podcast has reached number 289, seriously, go take yourself out for an ice cream sundae or something. Because that is pretty great. Okay, today's 289 is a little show with a very long name called 50 Things that made the modern economy. It's from BBC World Service. Hello, it's Tim Harford here. So every episode he goes through and details one particular thing that has brought us into the modern world or that we sort of can't live without. Things that you literally would never think of, like... Radar. I mean, I guess unless you were a pilot, you wouldn't think anything about radar. And the busier the skies, the more useful radar would be at preventing collisions. Also, you should really listen to that episode because Tim has the most perfect pronunciation of that Icelandic volcano that shut down air traffic. Eyjafjallajökull. He talks about market research, which is something I literally never have thought of. But then
3: being the world's first market researcher wouldn't have been an obvious career move for anyone.
2: Apparently back in the day when cigarette companies were trying to sell more cigarettes, they thought, oh wow, women, we should sell to them, and so they <laughs> they called cigarettes torches of freedom and use them as an instrument of women's liberation. Probe and manipulate our consumer psyches. They also talked about plastic, the material of a thousand uses. Basically, our lives could not function currently without plastic. That sounds hyperbolic. Uh, he talked about paper money, which I again have never given any thought. It seems like I don't give a lot of thought to anything. It might have been obvious. If you thought about it. I feel like this podcast is a really good way to help you seem like really interesting at parties. Much as peacocks impress peahens with their tails. Just listen to this podcast, get a bunch of trivia, stick it in your noggin. 50 things that made the modern economy. Helping you win parties with all of your rando knowledge. Want to listen to the Big Listen on the go? Well, you can just go to Apple Podcasts or NPR One or any fine purveyor of podcasts and hit the subscribe button. Then we will appear in your feed every week, just like magic. I promise. Also, check us out on Facebook and Twitter. We're at Here Big Listen. That's H E A R Big Listen. If you have something you want to get off your chest, like say state secrets, you can email us at BigListen at WAMU dot org. The show today was produced by Daisy Rosario, Ponce Rutsch, and Abby Holtzman. Jake Cherry mixed the show. I, Lauren Ober, was wishing we'd just stop with the hurricanes already. Okay, people? We don't need any more rain, you know what I mean? Dave Schulman composed the theme music. Other music in the show came from Army-Navy band, not the store. Special thanks to Timmy Olmstead and Al Reynolds for always giving us a boost. The Big Listen is the brainchild of boss lady Andy McDaniel and her boss man, J.J. Yore, and is produced by WAMU and distributed by NPR in Washington, D.C., capital of America. And now a few final words from Kathleen Barber, author of Are You Sleeping? It's a thriller about what happens to a murder victim's family when a podcast reinvestigates a crime. You know, when you think of true crime now that you've written the book, what is your sort of gut level feeling about it?
1: I think that I kind of approach true crime a bit more cautiously mm-hmm. than than I had in the past. I mean, I don't think that like being interested in true crime is inherently bad. You know, I think a lot of people are are interested in it because they're like very human stories. But when I look at it now, I kind of, I kind of feel like you have to focus on the more human parts and remember that there's like people on the mm-hmm. other side that um, in many cases, somebody has lost their life or been, been injured or, or is missing. And you have to like not only remember them, but you have to remember the people that they left behind and how everybody's been hurt. Mm-hmm.
2: So when you're listening to those true crime podcasts, keep in mind that they're about real people and comport yourselves appropriately. Thanks for hanging out, pals. Till next time, keep listening, America. This is NPR.